Hello, everyone. This is Fabrice. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about the last woman executed for witchcraft in Geneva, Switzerland, in 1652. Accused of poisoning, having malevolent powers, and making a pact with the devil, she succumbed to the weight of social rumor in an unfair trial. Despite trying to defend herself until the end, her name, Michelle Chaudron, from an exceptional woman to an innocent victim, discover her fabulous destiny. What are the ingredients for defining a real witch? Take a woman who is free to determine her own destiny, free in her body, with an unusual life. Add to that the fact that she is a foreigner, a widow, illiterate, and Catholic in a Protestant country, and you get a perfect culprit. Magical powers and potions are just an excuse. While it is easy to see with clarity the reasons for such an accusation today. In the 17th century, it was still complicated. Although the trial of Michel Chaudron took place at the crossroads of two worlds, between the obscure witch hunts and the Enlightenment period, in 1652, the year of her execution, it had been 26 years since anyone had been executed for witchcraft. 20 years earlier, this fate was commonplace. 20 years later, it was unacceptable. The Michel Chaudron case, the ultimate designated witch, was therefore the last one that opened a new era. To understand the fury it unleashed, we must discover her personality. Michel was a free woman, originally from Boege in France, where she was born in the 1600s. She became a domestic servant in the city of Geneva around 1620. Beaten down by the cost of living and lack of food, she still managed to survive by working tirelessly. At the age of 37, a life-changing accident befell her. She learned that she was pregnant by valet Jean Pelliger, who had died the previous autumn. This moment of freedom cost her dearly, because she was immediately imprisoned in the bishop's prison in Geneva. Two days later, the accusations lightning struck again. She was accused of lewdness for having had sexual relations outside of marriage with another man, Louis Ducre. Louis was a farm laborer with whom she had a relationship, but the marriage was only a plan and already consummated. The two young people had to ask God and the Lordship for forgiveness on their knees, pay a fine far beyond their means. And were banished from the city. This was not enough to shake the young couple, who moved to the Tunnel region to marry and start a family. But fate struck Michel again. While she was pregnant with her legitimate husband's child, she lost the baby, and a few months later, her husband Louis succumbed to the plague. <laughs> Thank、you
The year is 1640, and Michet finds herself alone. She decides to return to Geneva to make a living. She manages to escape poverty by setting up as a washerwoman. And from time to time, because she has a certain gift, she offers her healing talents to her neighbors. Her secret? A soup with multiple restorative virtues. In the households, women request that Michet provide her care. But soon, her peers accuse her of stealing a candlestick. The suspicion of domestic theft is overwhelming for Michet Chaudron's honor, as it jeopardizes her reputation and income. The candlestick is quickly found, but Michet remains marginalized and suspected. A rumor begins to swell about her. They say she is a witch, that she has made a pact with the devil, that she has given the illness to two fragile young girls, one of whom is possessed by the devil. Indeed, in devout beliefs, it was thought that yawning could be contagious and be caused by Satan. In March 1652, Michet is immediately arrested and brought before a judge. Seven angry accusers incriminate her. Michet denies the allegations altogether. Her resistance raises doubts. She is then subjected to a series of interrogations and tortures. What really happened in these households? What were her relationships with the other women in the house? Michet mentioned a dispute she had five years earlier with a certain Prenette Guillerme. Prenette is the one who accused her of stealing the famous candlestick. A few weeks before the trial, Michet said she had a new argument with Prenette. While she was doing her laundry as a favor because she was sick, Prenette's family accused Michet of giving her the illness by making her possessed by the demon. It is also added to her charge that Michet would have refused to give Pernette the remedy that would allow her to ward off the illness she was suffering from, namely her famous soup, which is praised for its virtues. In a second interrogation, Michet Chaudron admitted to having refused to go to Pernette's bedside, but denied having anything to do with her illness. The washerwoman is questioned for days on end. The judge wants to know if she went to the Sabbath and if the devil marked her. Michet continues to deny. The judges want to make her confess. She is then stripped, her body is shaved, and subjected to a medical legal examination by experts who are looking for the satanic mark on her. These marks, according to beliefs and regions, could be a bruise or a black or red mole in a specific part of the body. The initial examinations reveal nothing. Two new experts are then hired who attest that she is indeed marked by Satan. This physical proof of satanic alliance is the direct path to torture. Resisting pain at first, she denies having been to the Sabbath. She is then subjected to the torture of Strapado which consists of tying the victim's arms with ropes, hoisting her up a pole, and then releasing her abruptly. It is then that she confesses to having given the illness to the two sick girls. The accusation of poisoning immediately seals Michet Chaudron's death sentence. On April 6, 1652, 
Michel Chaudron was the 70th and last person executed in Geneva for witchcraft. It is early that morning. The sky is heavy with clouds, and the death knell announces the end of Michel Chaudron's fate. The crowd gathers in front of the flames of a pyre. The body of the alleged witch is consumed there. A few minutes before, she was publicly hanged by the executioner of high justice. Soon, the executioner scatters her ashes to the four winds, so that nothing, no trace remains of this woman, possessed by the devil. Her belongings will be confiscated, and her death will not be recorded in the register of deaths. But ultimately, it is history that will make the true legacy of Michel Chaudron. From the Enlightenment era, Voltaire made her a symbol of the fight against religious intolerance. And in the 20th century, feminists made her a heroine of the feminist resistance against male oppression and the struggle of the weak against the powerful. Today, much has been written about her, and even some streets bear her name. And this memory of repentance is a strong mark in the fight against obscurantism and injustice. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fabulous Destinies. Feel free to share stories you would like to hear through the Bababam Instagram. We will be happy to discover them. <laughs>